May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Seated. Our God is a God of transformation. And the stories that we read this evening are stories about turning points in which all things change. In our first story from the book of Exodus, God's people cried out after 400 years of the burden of slavery and God answered and God transformed the people of Israel over the course of their lifetimes despite their resistance into a people that followed him and they took the next generation there in the wilderness and he transformed them into a people willing to enter the land and claim it fulfilling the promise that God had made to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob so the story that we read this evening in the book of Exodus is a story that appeals to a history teacher. It's a history lesson. It's a lesson to be remembered and a lesson to be passed down from one generation to the next. Historians have to love that. Let us memorize the story. But as I've said to my students, I will say to you, memorizing the story has little value unless the story enters the heart and it enters the mind and it causes you to see the world in a new way. And so once upon a time, God's people saw themselves as slaves. And now they will see themselves as free. They saw themselves as under the curse of sin and rebellion. And they will now find themselves forgiven and blessed. They found themselves in a life where the meaning seemed lost in the ages and God will give them the law and he will give them purpose and he will call them to become his people with hearts wholly devoted to him that is not something that happens in an instant it's a process that God began after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And it's an ongoing process that is the story of all of scripture. God wants a people 
and he calls a people and he transforms those people into that which he called them to be. And so we have this story at the end of 10 plagues. Why 10 plagues? Why not one plague? Why plagues at all? God surely had the power to free his people. But it's not about simply freeing them. It's about changing them. And so he introduces himself to the people of Egypt and to his own people who cried out for his mercy. And he demonstrates who he is. And here in the 10th plague, we see that the story of the Pharaoh in Egypt is turned on its head because it was the Pharaoh who condemned Jewish sons to death. It was the Pharaoh who went to the midwives and said, abort them. It was the Pharaoh who said to his strong men, find the children and drown them in the Nile. And now, the firstborn of Egypt faced death. But here's the question the history teacher asks, what is the message? After all, if we're going to participate in an annual remembrance of the story, the question is why? Why will we teach our children? Why will we teach them to ask the questions? Why will we as the older generation give the answers? Why will we share in the four cups of the Seder meal? God reminds us from year to year throughout the ages that he is our deliverer and that his promises, covenant promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob have come true. And remember for this generation of people the institution of this first meal of remembrance is the beginning of a long journey through the wilderness. A journey in which they will learn the hard way what it means to follow God. What it means to depend upon God one day at a time in the midst of heartache, in the face of death and starvation, in the face of uncertainty, in a world that is harsh and unforgiving. And so we look at that first story. 
1,500 years before the birth of Christ, Moses' story began. And the telling and the remembrance of this story was passed down from generation to generation. And when Joseph and Mary had a son named Jesus, each year of his life, Scripture tells us, they journeyed from their northern home in Galilee to Jerusalem for the holy week of Passover. This ritual was a part of the upbringing of Jesus himself. And so, at the appropriate time in God's story, Jesus becomes the rabbi. He becomes the teacher. And he has apostles. And he has disciples. And beyond those, other disciples. And beyond those followers, the curious. Those seeking to destroy him. Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes and Essenes, even zealots, they all came to hear during the three years of Jesus' ministry. They came to see, they came to experience this Galilean. And the question is, what was the lesson? What did they learn? And so today, on Monday, Thursday, we see a very special lesson in the upper room. A lesson given by Jesus to his 12 disciples, his closest students, at the end of three years of study. In that final year, in the days leading up to the Passover, Jesus has traveled from the north of Israel, past Capernaum, past the Sea of Galilee, down the Jordan River, up the mountain, to Jerusalem and three times he has explained to his disciples that they are going to Jerusalem for a purpose that they're on a mission that he is on a mission and they've opposed the mission and they've been confused by the mission. And finally, they've become silent and they no longer ask about the mission. They merely follow. And they arrive in Jerusalem. And here they are in Jerusalem at the Passover. 
Here they are prepared to remember the story that has always been taught to every generation for more than 1,500 years, year after year after year. And the question is, what is the lesson? But our God is a God of transformation. And Jesus will take the story of Passover and turn it on its head. And he will introduce a new covenant. A new covenant. And he will call his disciples to be transformed. And you and I, as we sit here in this room today, know what is coming. But they do not. Jesus knows what will happen to them next just as you and I know the story of what will happen to them next. But they do not. And they think they understand. And they're in agreement. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet, In the hours to come, as we go forward from this evening, they will abandon him. They will deny. And they will hide in fear, having lost their way. Unclear as to their purpose. And asking the question, what was the lesson? Jesus, in John's version of this story, tells us, as he told them, they, they do not understand what is happening to them at this very moment as they sit reclining in the upper room. but they are being transformed. And what they lack is the power of the Holy Spirit to guide them in that transformation. And the power of the Holy Spirit is yet to come. And in the absence of that power, 
the best lessons from Jesus himself was insufficient. to convince them to remain strong in the midst of the challenges of the three days to come. Jesus told them that a time would come when the lesson would be clear. And he encouraged them to hold on to the story in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their fear, at the low point in which they're wondering what is going on and what should I do, to hold on to the teaching and wait for the coming of that transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit at which point in time his word would be made clear. We look this evening at their reaction to Jesus who offers to wash their feet. And their hearts, their hearts are moved to say no, no Lord, don't wash my feet, somebody else's feet, not my feet, this is not something that you should do. But here is the lesson. the Lord, the creator of the universe, came down from heaven and taught them to be servants. And the lesson even included his washing of their feet. Who are we to say no to the Lord of all creation? Peter, in his enthusiasm, wants the whole body washed. But of course, you and I know it's not about the washing. It's about the willingness that you and I have to accept the free gift of grace that God offers to us. Do we deserve it? We do not. Do we feel as if we should say no, we do. But if we are to follow Jesus, 
we must accept his call on our lives to be servants. Let us turn on its head the belief of disciples that they might sit on the left hand or the right hand, that they might rule the world in glory as leaders in Jesus' new world. No, they are called to serve the orphans and the widows and to visit those in prison. They are called to seek out those who are outcast, those who are without hope, those who are in need of words of encouragement, those who are in need of comfort, of companionship. They are to love one another as Christ has loved them. If you cannot accept the washing of the feet, you cannot take the next step in the journey. And so they were washed. And so they were prepared. I will tell you, three years of having students, three years in a row of teaching them and watching them grow and watching them little by little struggle with the truth and be transformed in their minds and in their hearts and to see the world in a new way is an incredibly powerful experience. I will tell you, for me as a teacher, the last lessons are always the hardest. I don't know what that was like for Jesus. But you understand that mere hours from now, they will be on their own. They will live out the lessons they have learned. Or not. And because we have free will, only God knows will happen to the 12. He knows. So I don't know what that is like when you set your children free out into the world after 18 or 21 or 30 or 40 years of raising. When you finally set them out in the world on their own, you carry with you a, a burden did they learn the lessons you taught them? Not, not can they recite the lessons you taught them. That's not the goal. 
The question is, will they live out in their lives, in their hearts, in their minds, the calling that God has placed on their hearts? And so, I say to you this evening, here on a Monday, Thursday, as God prepares to set his apostles on their own, knowing that straight out the gate, they're all going to go flat on their face. But then they will get up. And then they will continue on. And then the lessons will begin to speak to them. And then they will prepare themselves for impossible things. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of the Holy Spirit in their lives. A life of dedication in service where all of the pains and the sufferings that they have experienced in the past continue to happen in the future. And they're not spared from those things. But the joy of serving in the kingdom of God with brothers and sisters in Christ is a transformative experience. And so I pray this evening, as you and I experience the washing of the feet, as we experience the stripping of the altar, as we imagine the fear and the terror of disciples on their own having failed, and then getting up and continuing on. I I pray that we will be encouraged in the breaking of the bread and the taking of the cup to remember that the purpose that Jesus has in our life is to transform us into a people whose hearts are wholly committed to God, who will lift his name in praise, who will take on the servanthood in the kingdom of God, who will willingly let the Lord of the universe wash our feet, if that's what it takes for us to do his will to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.